you don't stop it, the natives revert to voodoo magic, witchcraft, superstition. Unless it's stopped, my business will be. All the native workers out at the plantation are either quitting on me or laying down on the job. Another murder out there Saturday. That's three in a month. Four. There was another last night right here in Bakunda, down the street. Oh, really? Well, uh, the three out of the plantation I've seen, each body partly drained of its blood, each with two peculiar wounds at the throat. Here. You know, if we were living a hundred years ago, I'd almost agree with the natives. A vampire. Oh, vampire. A dead man denied heaven because of his crimes, doomed to remain on earth in hideous semblance of life, sustaining his body on the blood of the living. Oh, medieval Tommy Rod, it's just a legend. Yes, but a universal legend, Julie. Well, now, do you believe in it, Father? No, I don't believe in vampires. But I do believe with the church in the power of evil. Whether we believe it or not, something's going on. It's having a bad effect on my native workers. Same trouble here in town. Any ideas, Roy? it been since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors <laughs> well that's too long pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the forgotten horrors podcast with your hosts john woolley michael h price and my own self wolf brand jack Thank you very much, Michael H. Price, and welcome to a new season, our big, new, fun-filled, thrill-packed season of the, uh, of the Forgotten Horrors podcast, and I have to say that this is, we're doing this new one on march 11th which is national landline telephone day whoa today national landline telephone day and do you know how why i know this because gene simmons said it on twitter so it has to be true it's a gene simmons Simmons? that's the gene (laughs) simmons of kiss Oh, okay. Well, that I was, I was might be jumping, Gene. No, wasn't that jumping, Gene? Haunted House Simmons. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, the Kiss, Gene Simmons. He did a little jumping himself, but uh, yes. Yeah, so it's National Landline Telephone Day. Can't think of a better day to get restarted uh, with a new uh, a new season of Forgotten Horrors podcast. And what we're doing like- this evening or today, whenever you happen to hear it, is the 1945 republic shocker the vampire's ghost uh i don't really exactly know where to start on this one except to say that republic didn't do very many horror movies when you really get down to it and no they were more into the action adventure and mystery yeah and west field and and of course uh, Mm -hmm. 
some wonderful musicals. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, some, uh, yeah, yeah, you bet, and, and some serials, and, uh, yeah. but, but they did not, and I guess I have read that they did Vampire's Ghost, which was one of the first they did, I guess Lady and the Monster may have predated it, I'm not sure, but, mm -hmm. uh, but they did uh, Vampire's Ghost, because they're trying to get on some of that universal money, uh, get, get in there, tap into the universal horror market. Yeah. Yeah. Would that, has that been your experience? Is that what you've, your research has, has led you to believe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a recurring thread in the Forgotten Horrors books, uh, the, right. the evolution of Republic, which is a seminal Forgotten Horrors studio, considering some of their science fictional serials of the 30s. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, boy, when they, when they launched into a horror movie, they did it. Uh, very much anti-universal formula. And you know, you're right. It looks like a Republic serial, that opening shot, you know, they, they would do a thing with mm -hmm. an exotic locale, someone standing somewhere in an exotic locale and then superimpose the title. Oh yeah. They would yeah. do that on their serials and they did the very same thing on Vampire's Ghost. Nice and piece of work. Yes. It is a nice piece of work. Leslie Sealander has was, you know, mostly again, he worked a lot for but did a lot of westerns, a lot of westerns. Yeah. And a lot of other stuff, serials and, and different things. But he really works with shadows here nicely. I mean, he was always a, a very workmanlike guy, mm -hmm. but uh, you could count on him doing a good job. But this seems to be an especially good job and especially a creepy film. Uh, very nicely, especially when you watch it with its original companion film, a picture mm -hmm. called The Phantom Speaks. Right. Uh, which is story-wise quite unlike, unlike The Vampire's Ghost, but very well matched. And of course, uh, the third world setting of The Vampire's Ghost takes you all the way back to uh, the uh, 1930s concept of the third world vampire. Mm-hmm as we saw in the uh, in the depression period picture condemned to live right right yeah yeah and this the third world setting is bakandu bakanda it's bakanda mm -hmm. isn't it and uh, an african uh, african setting where a fellow uh is running what is supposed to be a fellow named webb fallon what a great yeah. name Webb Fallon is played by uh, John Abbott is running uh, what is supposed to be a seedy bar. Actually, it looks kind of upscale. Uh, you know, it's as seedy as Republic could get, which you know. I, I think it's I think it's more of a more of a low life bar, right? Uh, with uh, with money. Yeah, and of course, this guy's had this guy's had uh, the the operator has had. 400 years to uh, build his fortune. That's true. That's and right. there you go. And why he would set up a nightclub in a, a backwater town in Africa, I don't know. But somehow, and also why Adele Mara, as her character, who Adele oh, Mara, why yes. I will watch in anything. She was so good. And she's wearing a black wig here and doing one of the most bizarre dances for a bunch of like uh, seamen and different people coming in off ships she does this this wonderfully strange dance mm -hmm. picture and of course she was a she was a fine dancer but somehow or another she and webb fallon her character and webb fallon are all sort of hooked up then webb fallon 
falls for a plantation owner's daughter, played by Peggy Stewart, one of several people known for their Western, at least a couple people known for their Westerns. Oh, yeah. Peggy Stewart, one of the big B Western uh, heroines, and uh, also Roy Barcroft. You remember, Michael? Roy Barcroft's in this. Oh, the great serial villain. Mm-hmm. And he's a vi- kind of a villain in this. He's the one that 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 uh, gets into a, a betting situation with John Abbott's character Webb Fallon, and mm-hmm. uh, and and causes a lot of trouble. So he's just he's just kind of a he's kind of one of those sort of uh, you know red ass sea captain kind of characters. Very <laughs> very much uh, kind of a stock character. But you you mentioned the Phantom Speaks number one. The Phantom Speaks is almost a rewrite of Universal's Black Friday. I was about to mention that, and, and those two together, although they weren't intended as such, they make a nice pairing as well. They do. Uh, with the same leading man in the same conflicted role. So, yeah, if you're a Stanley Ridges fan, you'll love that. You would love that double feature. Right. He's in both of them as a man who is possessed by the spirit, by a bad, by an evil spirit, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In both of the pictures. Also, Vampire's Ghost and uh, and uh, uh, Phantom Speaks were both written by one of my all-time favorite pulp writers, John K. Butler. Yes. The creator of, uh, yeah, the creator of so many, Lonergan of Frisco, and uh, my favorite character, a matter of fact, I edited a book about him called At the Stroke of Midnight, Steve Midnight, the hard luck hacker who always was <laughs> having all that would have trouble in, in picking up people or leaving dead bodies in his cab. It was just amazing. It was like this cab driver sleuth. Butler was one of the mm-hmm. great, those great second string uh, after Hammond and Chandler, great second string detective story writers. Butler was right yes. up there with him. And uh, then he jumped that in the forties and started and became a, Repu- a writer for Republic. And did a ton of stuff. Yeah, a lot of Western. And you know, Michael, of course, the other writer on this is Lee Brackett. I was about to mention Lee Brackett. Yes. Is that Uh, her? Wonderful, wonderful. Pardon me? Is that her first first screen credit? I haven't been able to find an earlier one. She goes goes, uh, all the way back to that to start her film career. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, uh, prolific. I mean, in in the realm of print, mm-hmm. um, Hollywood wanted her before she wanted Hollywood. Apparently, <laughs> well, she was but, another pulp writer like like Butler. I don't yeah, know. And 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 Lee Brackett uh, leapt from the Vampire's Ghost right into the Big Sleep. She sure did. She and, sure did. Just kind of backtracked a little bit for a crime doctor picture. <laughs> what now what about did she do oh that's that's right she did a crime doctor picture about that same time didn't she? right about that same time and then was kind of out of the hollywood scene for a while and then jumped back in with a really big western called rio bravo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which which was uh, her participation being engineered by uh, by howard hawks who was the same person who got her for the big sleep, correct? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, they couldn't leave her alone. I, I had discovered Lee Brackett originally in the pulp magazines that my father and my uncle would bring home from the, from the downtown newsstands and uh, was quite astonished to see her showing up as a, as a movie byline. 
well, we thought she was a man too, right? I mean, people thought she was a man originally because of the the, the because of her first name. Uh huh. Yeah. You yeah. know, you see Lee Brackett on the on the credits and in the science fiction pulps, which is where she mostly appeared, just as her co-writer on Vampire's Ghost, John K. Butler, appeared mostly in the detective pulps, like right. Black Mask and and uh, well, he was in Black Mask. He was in Dime Detective. He was in of detective fiction weekly he was in a ton of a great writer always kind of almost in a way like the director leslie sealander the director of this picture you could always count on him to do a great or not great but a very workmanlike interesting job on his on his fiction well uh, would I, you watch the film again that's the test of its greatness yeah yeah Sure. And I did watch I did watch Vampire's Ghost again and really enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, and you know, apparently Brackett, Lee Brackett, her former agent, I read somewhere, her former agent had become a story editor at Republic. Mm -hmm. And she was writing science fiction pulps. They were wanting to get into horror. To them, horror and science fiction, pretty much the same thing. And so they hired her to do that. And keep in mind that after that, and after Howard Hawks picked her up, after she finished Vampire's Ghost, um, she was working with William Faulkner on that yep. script. Yep. And think about that. I mean, jumping from John K. Butler to William Faulkner. I mean, that what an interesting what a career arc. Well, she, uh, hey, what, what, what's the saying? Writers write. Yep, that's exactly right. It's exactly yep. right. Well, I got to tell you, I also really like John Abbott in this. John Abbott is a really nice sort of sad presence as a vampire. He's got the weight of all of those years on him, kind of like, in a way, like Carradine, like Carradine's Dracula, John Carradine's Dracula mm -hmm. and House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein almost almost there's almost a sadness every time he has to kill someone or take their blood there's a kind of a uh it's it, it's much more textured yeah i always come back to africa but even here there is no rest for me the path of time is curved upon itself like a circle without beginning without end i must follow it forever I cannot die. I cannot rest. I cannot rest. I cannot rest. Don't you think? I mean, I, I think I think uh, Abbott is perfect for the role. He uh, fits none of the conventional impressions. Right. It's uh, you know what what should a vampire movie be? Well, you. You're stereotyped with either Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee, and once in a while you find an actor that comes along and completely upends those respective impressions and leaves an impression in their stead that makes you want to see more of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He didn't do much more horror stuff, though. No, no, uh, not not uh, not nearly much uh, at all. But you know, I I would. Uh, I learned early on to look for him in other things. Uh, you know, I, I shows up on the monsters, shows up mm. on the man from <laughs> Uncle. Yeah. Uh, and and a long career. I mean, he was uh, John Abbott was uh, still showing up uh, into the. 80s i think yeah i think so he came over from britain of course he's british and i have to ask you in your in your life as a film critic 
did you ever see him in slapstick of another kind? Yes. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the the perfect Kurt Vonnegut movie. Uh-huh. What did I have not said Joe and I were before uh, before we started uh, before you uh, you logged on Joe and I were talking about it. I've never seen the picture. What what's it like? I've, I've you know it's not gotten great notices. No, it's 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 a uh, uh, probably the essential Jerry Lewis movie. Mm. Uh, maybe along with the King of Comedy, which is not technically a Jerry Lewis picture. Right, that's true. Uh, that's true. But uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to describe. It's phantasmagorical mm-hmm. about the uh, about the companionship that produces a genius greater than either component, and the and, two components being him and Madeline Kahn. Right. right. And uh, what was Vonnegut thinking? Well, I think he was having a dream, and he wrote it down. What was Jerry Lewis thinking? <laughs> there's there's your question right you never right. you never can you never can fault jerry lewis for doing a picture just because he needs the prestige or the money he uh, uh take him or leave him the guy made interesting choices yes and uh, even his even his uh, major studio hollywood stuff which i don't necessarily care for except maybe if i happen to watch it and get into it by accident but uh pictures like that uh i think vindicate uh interest in yeah. jerry lewis yeah yeah well john abbott's in that picture as dr and john abbott of course who, who, yeah. who also vindicates interest <laughs> in a completely off the wall film yeah that yeah. uh well, what's that for some people say well because it's there yeah yeah yeah. Well, he, you know, I, I, now I want to see that picture because it sounds just absolutely. I haven't seen crazy. it since, since its original appearance, uh, not in the theaters, it didn't play widely, mm-hmm. but, uh, when it showed up in the, in the first wave of, uh, commercial video cassettes, uh, that was one of the first acquisitions I made. Really? So you still got it? You could you lay your hands on it? You think? Well, yeah, but it couldn't lay a playback yet on it in beta max. Okay. And uh, you know, there's a new there's a new manufacturer now making uh, factory fresh VHS recorders uh, oh, built so. in with a DVD recorder. So that's a good sign. But now, okay. if somebody would just get up the gumption to to <laughs> recreate beta, beta have all three of them in there. Maybe you could have laser disc while you're writing. You know? No, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've got I've got oh twenty or thirty nice yeah. beta cassettes that I sure would like to have a, a new playback home. Well, maybe. I mean, you know, you get now they have, you can go into a, a department store and get uh, those Crosley things that where you can play vinyl, you can play CD, you can play cassette, and you can have a radio. So yeah, and they don't last long. Well, mine's la- mine's done real well. Mine's I've got done- I've got a couple that have lasted, and then I've got a couple more that yeah. uh, uh, croaked prematurely. Yeah, I think. I, anyway, so. Um, you don't have to have any of that to see the vampire's ghost because uh, the vampire's ghost, a beautiful print, is on uh, YouTube. You can find a lovely print. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's and can't it, say know, enough good about YouTube. No, and and you know to go back to John Abbott and John Abbott's character, 
they honestly give them points for trying to do something different. You know, John Abbott talking, you're doing that voiceover. I cannot die. I cannot rest. And, and then the, the, uh, Father Gilchrist, who the, the the reliable Grant Withers, who plays a man of the cloth. Good old Grant Withers. Oh, yeah. What a dandy. And, you know, they get into a thing about, really, if you listen closely, they get into a thing about free will and the church. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's fascinating to those of us who are interested in theology. And I it, think that's, it, I think that's a nod to, I think that's a nod or, or an acknowledgement of the influence Val Luton was bringing with his philosophical horror movies at RKO. Well, that would have been, they would have been contemporary, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of studios tried to pick up on that uh, that RKO Luton vibe, and I think Republic and Columbia, uh, with a picture called The Soul of a Monster. George McCready, yeah. Yeah, I I really believe that uh, a few of the imitation Lutons pretty well hit the mark, and this is one of them. I wonder when, well, Seventh Victim was around the same time, wasn't it? Uh, earlier in the 40s but right around yeah. then yes yeah. and, and there's um, there's one that's got a that's full of all kinds of weird theological you know oh, theological is the right word but but this you know but this still with all of that said michael this still has that crispness and that sort of exotic look of a republic cereal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well republic yeah. did cereals better than any other studio did cereals they did and that was the basis that was their original uh intent was to produce cereals um at first exclusively cereals but of course the temptation to do feature films came in uh, starting with the westerns uh which are basically miniature cereals sure public Sure. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the Republic formula basically breakneck pacing, whether or not it was in one chapter a week for twelve weeks or in what 70, 60 to seventy minutes yeah. of running time. The Vampire's Ghost runs less than an hour. Yep, that's right. And you know, even though there's a lot of philosophizing and everything, it never. It's always. Republic knew that thing about how you had action, you had dialogue and, and uh, character arise out of action. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. did that and they do that in the vampires ghost. They're all, it's always moving, but as it's always moving, there's all this dialogue and stuff going on. That's out of the ordinary. Never a dull moment, never a dull moment in that one. And you know, it's, 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 it's paced like a cereal. It's got Western stars in it. Peggy's <laughs> uh, friend of mine, Don, Don Hutchison knew Peggy Stewart pretty well. And he said that Peggy Stewart never cared much for the picture. She thought it was a misfire, but mm. I, yeah. you know, and maybe, you know, maybe you can see where she, where she thought that that would, but it just, it's just a good picture. And it, uh, and I admire with the bloated films, and I don't want to sound like an old poop now, but with so many, you know, with the people taking two and a half hours to tell some sort of a, a damn superhero story, and you can get in and out of this picture, as you say, in under an hour. I mean, I really right. admire that. Uh, you, you just, you know, it's over before you know it. Compact, efficient, and not a little bit scary. It is scary. And it did well. And yeah. in fact, one of the reasons, uh, that's one of the reasons they made, what, the next year they made Valley of the Zombies? Still kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Ian Keith in that one with some of the B-Western stars. I think Adrian Booth is, is in that picture. 
no and, uh, yeah yeah and so 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 vampire's ghost and phantom speaks that double bill must have done really well and you can see why it's really they're both dandy pictures and uh i love to see those pulp writers breaking out of the pulps and going into going into the into b pictures and of course john k butler stayed at that level oh. and lee brackett moved on uh but still two two master two master <laughs> for pulp people at work you know and so I'd recommend yeah. it. How about you? Definitely. I will watch it again myself. I'll recommend it for home viewing right here. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, do very quickly. Let me know what's, what's going on with you now and what's, uh, what's online that people might want to check out that you've been working on. And, and well, you know, you check out the entire Forgotten Horrors catalog Absolutely. at the Amazon website. Uh, we're up to, oh, depending on which volumes you count as the spinoffs and all, we're up to more than 10 volumes there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Past the 40th anniversary last year of Forgotten Horrors First Edition. Wow. And, uh, You're not that old, No right? sign of stopping. <laughs> <laughs> 40 years. You I just keep wow. on, you just keep on cranking, keep oh. on cranking. And uh, you, uh, the trick is to maintain the interest and the trick is, as George Turner, the original co-author, uh, insisted in his um, manifesto, if you mm -hmm. will, um, sometimes you can find the best elements of horror in stories of an entirely different bent. Kind of a uh, H, that H.P. Lovecraft. That, thing, you know, it? horror is where you find, where you find it. it. Lovecraft right. all over again. Well, and we yeah. did uh, Fantasies in the Sand. I've noticed we're, we're moving some Fantasies in the Sand. That's the one that we did where we found horror in beach party movies and their predecessors in <laughs> World War II. So I'm with you. Um, I've got the, 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 uh, the, the trilogy that's out, this cleansing trilogy that I wrote yeah. speaking of Pulps. Uh, that you helped us so much with your, with your wonderful blurb and uh, oh, yeah. Brown and I uh, did that together. And if anybody likes pulp, I will have to say this is pulp. This is weird tale style pulp done in epistolary form. Uh, we have Seventh Sense, uh, Satan, Satan Swine, and Sinister Serpent. Lots of sibilation there. Sibilance <laughs> there, not sibilation, sibilance. I like sibilation. Sibilation's good too. And, uh, <laughs> so you can check those out online. I've got them for sale at my website as well if you want them signed. And um, we're also seeing a lot of traction on that on that Kane's Ballroom book, Michael. Oh, I that's the jewel. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is one that. Uh, uh, one of those books that's so good, I'm not even in this. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. It's a book called 20th Century Honky Tonk. I did it with uh, Brett Bingham, who is the business manager for Bob Wills' Texas Playboys with mm -hmm. Jason uh, uh, Jason Roberts. And uh, it's about the Canes Ballroom, the only place in the world where Bob Wills and the Sex Pistols played. Well, that's not true, because they also down at Dewey Groom's place they did mm -hmm. in Dallas. See, so, but... It, it was the place that launched Bob Wills in the 30s, and it was the uh, penultimate stop on the Sex Pistols tour in the 70s uh, mm -hmm. before they ended up after that. They went to, to San Francisco and a lot of stories in between. And we were lucky to get the owner, Larry Schaefer, he owned it for 25 years, was very forthcoming. And, and I knew some of the people from the Bob Wills days. And, and so it, it, it's we're really getting a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, of readership on that. We're selling a lot of those books. Sell a lot of them in UK 
and in Australia, of all yeah. things, because the Canes Ballroom in Tulsa uh, is pretty well known all over, you know. Well, there's a huge Western swing following there is. In, the, uh, in the continental Europe and English markets. Mm -hmm. And in Canada some. Which and I'm in Canada and in Australia. So yeah. what are you going to do about that? Well, you just appreciate that they appreciate you it. You absolutely appreciate they appreciate it. And you look at guys, when the guys like Ray Kondo, uh, who's performed from, uh, from Canada, uh, the late Ray Kondo, you know, you see, and they, they've assimilated it all. I yep. mean, it's just they Western swing started out. Well, it started in your hometown. It uh, it it crawled out of its crib in my hometown, I mm -hmm. believe, or at least was popularized. Well, Tulsa. it matured in Oklahoma. Uh, matured in Tulsa, uh, but it was started in Fort Worth. And, yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway, so if if someone within the sound of our voice is interested in that sort of thing, as an old friend of mine used to say, if you like that sort of thing, that's the sort of thing you'd like. <laughs> and we would certainly appreciate you looking online for books by John Woolley and books by Michael H. Price. And if you see something you like, we'd be delighted for you to uh, to punch that button. I also would like to say, uh, Joey and uh, my uh, my media coordinator, Lourdes Alcala have uh, revamped my website, Michael. Yeah. So it actually looks like like someone knows what he or she is doing <laughs> because it wouldn't be me. And uh, so you can visit the www.johnwoolley.com if you'd like and, and, and take a look around and get my newsletter. I've got a newsletter coming out once a month. Joey and Laura yeah. are, are, are cracking the whip on that. <laughs> yeah, sign up for that. Yeah, it's free. That's free. Uh, it's free and it's full of fun every, yeah. every month. So, <laughs> kind of like pretty this great. podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you both, uh, producer, engineer, Joey Hambrick. Michael, it's great. To, we, we took a couple around the holidays, took a few, uh, a couple of months off. But yeah, well, glad it's to be not back like again. we haven't had other priorities creeping we've, in on us. We've had a few things happen. But you got to get back to the stuff that, uh, that keeps you going. And here we are, and we just want to thank everybody. And we've been hearing from people on Facebook, which is wonderful. And we have the Forgotten. What is that, Joey? The Forgotten Horrors Facebook page. Yeah, the Forgotten Horrors podcast you know, uh, Facebook group. So podcast. yeah, just join it. And... Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've got all kinds of things you can join for free. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just, yeah. So the world is so full of a number of things as uh, Robert <laughs> Louis Stevenson would have it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back uh, pretty soon, I hope, with something else. We didn't say before and what we thought we might do, but oh, so yeah. it's going to be a surprise. Okay. What do you think? Is that all right, Joey? That sounds good to me. Okay. I'll, I'll put it up on the group. Okay. All right. Michael, yeah, if you think of something, let me know. I've got a couple ideas myself. Well, likewise, and we always welcome suggestions from yes, the... Oh, that's true, yeah. Absolutely. If someone would like to, like to, except for the bed that eats people, because we've already done that, thanks to Joey. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's off the list. But other, <laughs> otherwise, we're open. All right, you guys, take care. See you soon. Thank you. <laughs>